Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down and have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about. Kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Let me say before I introduce today's conversation that the subject matter may not be suitable for children. Unlike most episodes, the subject matter of this particular discussion is for mature audiences only. My guest today is my new friend, Clint. Clint is a Christian who was, at one time, involved in a gay lifestyle. But by the grace of God, he's come out of that lifestyle, and now he's advocating for churches to be loving and welcoming, and also to teach what the Bible teaches about same-sex relationships and lifestyles. This is a sensitive subject, but I hope Clint's perspective will be helpful as you navigate this subject in your family and your congregation. I grew up in a a fairly small town, and uh, my parents were nominal mainline Protestant types religiously, so I didn't grow up in a strong Bible-based Christian home. Uh, Eventually found a Baptist church where I received some basic Bible teaching, although the doctrine was a little bit off, and I, I later discovered the Church of Christ. I was baptized into Christ at age 19. Uh, unfortunately, I had already been involved in the gay lifestyle and fell back into that way of living and was away from the church for for many years. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like the prodigal son. Uh, but I, I had uh, some of the Things that uh, I experienced growing up, I would say, would would probably be common to someone who ended up having a GLBT um, orientation. Uh, I I had uh, a father who was very uh, detached and and critical. We did not bond in the way that a father and son should bond. And I uh, had had uh, some, some uh, peers also who were not very accepting. I was rather clumsy and not very good at sports. And there was always this group of guys and adolescents, all high school football players who were constantly reminding me of my lack of athletic ability and manliness in general. And and uh, so I I realized about the age 15 or so uh, that I had some same-sex attractions. And about that time, another guy wanted me to become his boyfriend. And I was not interested at all. I wasn't attracted to him. And at that time, I had no intention of acting on those same-sex attractions. Uh, girls didn't seem that excited about me, but I really did have some attraction to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, this guy told me that I had all the mannerisms of a homosexual, and that really upset me Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of started me thinking uh, eventually in terms of ending uh, that, well, maybe I would end up living that kind of life. I was just getting, I seemed to be, everything seemed to be working to put me into that box, yeah. <laughs> even though I didn't really want to be yeah. placed in that box. Uh, so uh, 
this and I, I had a um, some other things that happened to me that that uh, uh, were were quite difficult to deal with. And of course, this was all this was back in the 1970s. Uh, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a young guy anymore. I'm yeah. I'm 60 years old. So uh, uh, my perspective is a little different maybe than someone sure. who who is uh, a millennial or uh, Generation Z. Uh, but I can't imagine that everything has changed. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the same problems with, with uh, you know, living the, the GLBT uh, lifestyle as far as uh, actively living. And that's, you know, I was, I lived a, a rather promiscuous life for, for a time and, and uh, in a large urban area. And uh, the AIDS epidemic was starting to surface and hepatitis B was a big problem in the gay male population. And, uh, um, when I was 24 years old, a gastroenterologist diagnosed me with chronic hepatitis B, which often leads to cirrhosis and liver cancer. And there was no effective treatment at that time. And I was given a 10 to 15 year life expectancy. Wow. And then soon after that, I was told by another doctor that I had swollen glands and might have some kind of what they called at the time a pre-AIDS syndrome. And uh, back then, there was actually no test available for HIV. And they, they hadn't actually, uh, this was actually just before they identified the virus that caused AIDS, although they had a clear indication that it was a transmissible uh, disease. Um, but, uh, I, needless to say, I was very worried for a couple of years. Finally, the HIV test became available and I fortunately tested negative for that, but I did lose a lot of friends and acquaintances to HIV. And I finally recovered from hepatitis B, uh, after some treatments were, de were developed, but it took me about 20 years or so. And there was a big cloud hanging over my life for about 20 years. So, uh, was in and out of the lifestyle for a number of years. I I was involved with at times with some ministries that help people uh, try to uh, get out of the GLBT lifestyle. Um, but uh, I've had some firsthand experience. And of course, this would not be representative of everyone. Sure. Uh, I would say my background is is different, maybe in a couple of ways uh, uh, that. That perhaps uh, you know, my, as a young man, I was more fast lane in terms of the way I lived than 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 many people might be, and and also uh, I wasn't exclusively uh, attracted to the same sex. I did have some attraction to the opposite sex. So there are, there are a lot of what ifs right. in my life. I have a lot of regrets because you know probably if I had been if I had made such a mess of my life. Uh, earlier in life, I might've been able to take a different direction, but that my, my circumstances made it very difficult to do so. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, life is just wonderful being a single celibate guy trying to live the Christian life, uh, it, at this point in time, but it isn't always that yeah. way. Uh, but it's much better than it was, when I was a young man and my life was just complete chaos and there was complete chaos around me and I was out of fellowship with God. I was out of the will of God. Uh, you know, having a clearer conscience is, is, uh, you know, definitely, uh, 
a good thing and, and something that will um, is, is comforting. So yeah. um, that's that's kind of my story is is as quickly as I can summarize yeah. it. Well, what, what a life. And, you know, and, and I'm so glad you, know, you compared it to the prodigal. And I guess, you know, all of us could, could compare our lives in some way, I suppose, with, with the prodigal story. And, but I'm so glad that not only that the Lord brought you to where you are now, but, uh, that, that we have your voice to, um, to, to help the church right now. Cause I think that yours is a perspective that we desperately need because, uh, this is a, an interesting time, I think in the church and uh, where we go from here and how we handle this issue and, and how we love people and how we help people. Um, I think that, that yours is a perspective that is, is desperately needed in the church right now. So you, you said something in your initial email to me, and I'm, I'm going to read it if, if that's okay. And, and I'd love for you to kind of expand on it because I thought this was a, a really profound thought that I, I think uh, should be explored. You said, having an inclination towards homosexuality or bisexuality is something that a number of Christians must deal with. It is unlikely that they will benefit spiritually from defining themselves in terms of their sexual orientation. I thought that that was such a unique perspective to say it's unlikely that they will benefit spiritually from defining themselves in terms of their sexual orientation. And really, I would say that's that's probably um, a minority view. That's been my view um, that I don't think that that's a helpful a helpful thing to do to define yourself by your sexuality. Um, but but I. I find myself often in the minority when I express that. So coming from your perspective, I was I was very encouraged to hear you say that. So I'd love for you to just go wherever you want with that, but to kind of expand on that idea. Well, there I, I think that it's useful to make a distinction between someone having an inclination or an orientation towards same-sex attraction and homosexual behavior. Mm-hmm. I think that's a useful distinction. Uh, I, I don't think it, it is beneficial to embrace uh, same-sex attraction as an identity. It, it, it can be done. Uh, I don't have any doubt that, that uh, someone uh, could uh, define themselves as GLBT and lead, uh, lead a celibate lifestyle. I actually did that for for a few years, uh, but it it's a more difficult path to right. take. The more uh, you know, we realize that uh, GLBT identity it's shaped by the rejection of others in our our past and and uh, others you know putting us into uh, a gay box. You know, calling you know mm-hmm. you, you know if you don't do well in sports, you're you're called. Uh, a, a faggot, you know, and, and the, you know, that, that it, it, you know, you're, you're, you're ridiculed. I, I know in, in, uh, in, have you read Sally Gary's book? I have. I really enjoyed that book. Yes. It I was know. a wonderful book. And, and, and a lot of her experiences were similar to mine. And I re- mm-hmm. recall in, in her book, uh, she, she mentioned some boys that ridiculed her and treated her as though she were a young boy who needed to learn how to be more manly. Mm. I mean, that's a terrible thing. And I didn't have, I didn't have a group of girls doing that. I did have some girls who made fun of me, uh, as well, who, who, uh, um, you know, suggested that I wasn't very masculine. And I, I certainly had, had boys, uh, who were athletic, who, who did that. Um, but it, it, 
it, it's uh, the this is something that's shaped by our experiences. Oftentimes, a, a, a detached parent, uh, critical parent of the of the same gender, mm-hmm. and uh, the, but the, but I found the more we embrace a GLBT identity and you know read books and watch movies with a a gay theme and and uh, uh, hang out with with people with a uh, GL who kind of live in a GLBT bubble and live in a neighborhood where there's a large GLBT population, the more you get caught up in that mindset of uh, reaction and victimization. And of course, this is something that goes along with the culture war. It, it feeds off of that. Mm-hmm. And this is, is spilling over into the church and uh, you you have uh, and I think it's useful to have dialogue between different sides of the culture war. I mean, sure. uh, you know, Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, and you know, if people. I think it's it would be good for people who disagree on social issues to understand more that the opposing side is not necessarily a ten foot tall monster. Mm-hmm. We can have That's some. Right respectful discussion, but you're not going to change anybody's mind unless you understand what they believe and why they believe it. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's helpful to try to understand the GLBT culture so so the church can can reach out to that group. And certainly a golden opportunity was missed with the AIDS epidemic, but the, most churches, most congregations were not prepared to do so mm-hmm. at that time. And uh, now, uh, it, I, what I see with the embrace of the GLBT uh, identity, basically you have the two sides of the coin, a side A, which is just embraces the pro-gay theology view and affirms gay relationships, and side B, which accepts the GLBT identity, and but still maintains that uh, celibacy is best, mm-hmm. uh, but continues to embrace uh, a lot of the agenda of the GLBT movement in in the uh, in a cultural uh, GLBT identity, and I just don't think it's helpful. Uh, I don't think we should condemn those mm-hmm. who who are uh, celibate in in assuming that identity. And I think it's a good idea for Christians when somebody tells them that they're GLBT, we'll try to find out what they're talking about, mm-hmm. because it may not mean that they're sexually active or right. living in a same-sex relationship. But uh, I, I just think we're, we're setting ourselves up for, for failure, and, and in trying to be culturally relevant, we, we may uh, be sacrificing uh, truth yeah. as well. So you touched on on the church and and our response and missing the you know the opportunity in the in the 80s. So what would be in your mind what are some of the things that that churches can and should do to create the right type of environment and atmosphere where we can uh, love people and and help people and and not you know, not go too far one way or the other, I guess, but but be where we need to be and and follow Jesus and and I mean, and really, I, and I think that this identity discussion is so important because I think that 
that that question of what is my identity as a human being, as a follower of Jesus, and what identity I embrace, and it goes far beyond this issue, um, but as those who embrace as our primary identity followers of Jesus, what can we do to help uh, and create church environments uh, that we help people that are struggling with with this particular um, temptation struggle? Well, I think an environment where people can be open uh, about their struggles and where uh, their their truth is taught, but you, you don't have, uh, you know, a judgmental, mm-hmm. uh, hellfire and brimstone type of attitude, and where people just feel like they don't have to put up a front, a false front. Uh, it, it, and, and then a lot of churches just don't know how to minister to single people, and they may be excluding single people without even realizing it. Now, of course, we have, you know, some churches that are, are very, very judgmental, and and they're, they basically believe that, you know, if they just exclude everyone who doesn't fit uh, the traditional family mold, that uh, things will somehow be okay, and, 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 and return to normal at some point, but that's not likely to happen. We're, we're in a, uh, a time of great cultural change, and the church has to understand how to work within that environment. Uh, obviously, it'd be wonderful if the vast majority of the population went back to living like Ozzie and Harriet, but it isn't likely to happen. Right. So I think they're going to have to adapt their sermons to where they're not always talking about the traditional family, yeah. where they talk about what it's like to be a single person, what it's like to be a single parent, uh, you know, uh, you know, not uh, when they talk about, when they express biblical truth about homosexuality, make it clear that they're not coming down uh, on, on gay, gays and lesbians any more than any other sin. Right. Uh, but I think they're going to have to learn to, to, to embrace single people and, and, uh, create an environment uh, uh, where people can be open about their struggles and, and, and also where you can uh, setting up support groups uh, where you can have, you can help people who are dealing with, who are struggling with homosexuality and, and uh, also perhaps also in the same group uh, assist those who have a family member uh, who has, fallen into the uh, GLBT lifestyle. Uh, that's, that's a very, you know, very common issue. You have a lot more family members involved uh, in, in that, in the, in the church. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, in, in, some, in some churches, you've actually combined the two groups, and, and you can have those who are struggling be helped by family members who've, and they could maybe help them with some of the issues that they're having with their, with their family. And, and, uh, you know, you might have somebody who had years of, of being in the lifestyle who's come out of the lifestyle who could, could help them also. But, um, I, I, I think especially with, with the younger generations now, it's not as much this deep, dark secret where you have to keep every, keep those two groups separated. Mm -hmm. I think you should insist on that, what is in what's discussed in the group stays in the group. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'd like to see more support groups sponsored by by churches, and and uh, 
and you know we need to uphold biblical truth, but at the same time, you know, make you know make an effort to 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 reach out and to be welcoming. I think we should be welcoming, but not not affirming. Right. That's uh, that's a tremendous idea. And and speaking of that, and, and I think that was one of my big t- takeaways from this most recent conference was that um, there are a lot of parents that are totally taken off guard when their their son or daughter will come to them and will come out. Um, and, and then how the parent deals with that. So if you were talking to a parent who has recently had a, a child uh, confess that to them, what, what kind of things would you say to that parent? Well, I understand in many cases why the parent would be devastated because it would destroy a lot of expectations that, that they had. Um, but I think it's important to, to accept Continue to accept and love your child. Uh, you, do, you, of course, you know you're 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 not expected, or nor should you uh, affirm the 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 behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it isn't beneficial to to push them away and 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 say, well, if you don't repent of this, we're going to cut off all all contact with you. That's not likely to 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 lead to a good result. I think you have to accept that there's a good chance that this is something that isn't going to change, at least anytime soon, that, that there may be in some cases, there may be a possibility that, that uh, uh, their, their child can, can get uh, uh, counseling and, and perhaps they'd be motivated to, to, uh, to, to change their, their attempt to change their orientation or, or, uh, Move away from from being uh, involved in the behavior if that is if that is what they're involved in, um, and uh, if they have a, a a partner, if they have friends that are in the lifestyle, accept them as individuals. Uh, but you, you don't have to affirm. I was always grateful for people when I was in the lifestyle who still loved me and cared for me, but they were still honest enough to, to tell me what they believed. Mm. And, and uh, uh, I, unfortunately, especially when you think that you may be wrong, you tend to look for affirmation. <laughs> and, yeah. and with the GLBT community, it's kind of an endless search for, for affirmation. And, and, if you, and it's reached the point now um, to, to where... Oh well, if you don't affirm me, you must hate me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I mean that's just crazy. But that's kind of at the point where we're at now. But you want to try to keep the lines of communication open, and perhaps sometime if they if they're not responsive now, they may be later in life. It certainly, you know, when you're a young person, it's much easier to be drawn into something like this. When you're older, uh, you you may have second thoughts, and and you may be open to you know, going back to the church. I think that that is an incredibly helpful thought on on being able to share with somebody, I disagree with your choices and I disagree with your lifestyle, but I love you and I, I don't want to cut ties with you. I think that that's something that we're not we're not comfortable with a lot of times, um, whether it's this issue or another issue, that, that, that communicating to the people in our life that we, we love them and we, we don't agree with their behavior. Because I think sometimes we feel like we have to keep 
keep that uh, a secret that we that we disagree or that uh, we kind of give in to that line of reasoning, like you said, that says if you don't affirm me, then you hate me. And so we we think, you know what? I know what the Bible says, and and here's what I believe, and I I'm not changing my mind on what I believe, but I'm not ever going to actually tell them I disagree. Um, and so so we we fall into either you know, a couple of different categories. We, we don't tell them we disagree with their lifestyle um, or we tell them that we disagree with their lifestyle and we, we communicate that we hate them or that we don't want to have anything to do with them and we push them away. Whereas it's very difficult and it seems like an option that very few people are encouraging these days maybe is to communicate with people. Here's what, here's what scripture teaches and and here's what I believe uh, but but I love you and I want to maintain a relationship with you I think that that's a that's an important thing that and and it it really touched me that you said that there were people in your life that communicated that with you and that you appreciated that yes exactly it it, it was very it was very helpful I mean you're not doing anyone a favor by affirming something that is in the long run likely to be destructive to them yeah. I think that that's that's something that we have to keep in our in our mind. And and you may not have any thoughts on this. I don't know. I mean, we we haven't explored this in any of our emails and so feel free to, you know, to pass or you know, say whatever you want to say on this, but do you have any thoughts on on sort of the reinterpretation of scripture that that seems to be going on and and that's been popular in in a lot of denominational circles for a while depending on the denomination some are more uh, affirming than others uh, but it but even amongst churches of Christ it's becoming more and more um, acceptable to sort of offer uh, alternative interpretations that um, either say well you know everything in the New Testament that that had to deal with uh, that had to do with um, same-sex relationships, that it was all um, sort of revolving around idolatry and that sort of thing. And in the Old Testament, it was all about rape. And and so none of none of these things have any bearing on a, um, a, a committed um, monogamous uh, same-sex relationship. And so that's sort of the new the new way to interpret and kind of explain explain these passages away. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, that's something that's been developing in the mainline denominations for at least 40 years, yeah. that uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for inhospitality, and uh, that uh, you know, the, the uh, disapproval of homosexuality just simply reflected the culture of that, that day, uh, or meant something else, participation in, in uh, pagan rights, uh, things like that. Uh, there, there's been a lot written from a pro, pro-gay theology perspective. It, it's something that, that uh, I guess, can bring, you, can bring you some comfort if you're, if you're in the lifestyle. Uh, and, and, uh, but it, it always... It, it always the, the the scriptures that that deal with with the the question of homosexuality always spoke to me, mm. uh, even when I was in the lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, and and in in uh, the verse in Romans and and everything especially that yeah. that always really really bothered me and and made me feel very guilty when I read that, and and uh, I I kind of moved away 
from from questioned my faith and and uh, moved away from uh, a Bible based faith for a while. I I actually became a Roman Catholic and was Catholic for quite a few years, uh, and and uh, and of course, actually, Catholic social teaching is where you got the idea of 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 distinguishing between having a homosexual orientation, homosexual behavior, which I said I think is actually a useful distinction. But Definitely. can uh, I, I think at some point it's going to be with the kind of aggressive emphasis on enforcing total acceptance of that and affirmation is just going to lead to an eventual just kind of blurring of the lines. Uh, but what I've found in the, in the uh, GLBT community is that it's become increasingly hostile to religion, even with uh, affirming denominations. It's not a, a growth strategy for congregations, even from liberal backgrounds mm-hmm. like uh, Episcopalians, uh, congregationalists, things like that. The, the, maybe if there was just one, one congregation in a large city that was, that was uh, aggressively pursuing the, the gay community with, a, with, a, uh, with being the only affirming church in the, in the community, maybe that would be a great strategy, but that's not happening. There are very mm-hmm. few cases of that happening. So they're not going to, to, uh, to draw in many individuals that way. And I think they're going to alienate uh, a lot of members that way. It's been very divisive in, in uh, a number of denominations. Uh, you've, you've seen really practically a, a, a schism in the Episcopal church with a mm-hmm. number of parishes becoming Anglican um, over this issue. Wow. I guess my last question would be, and feel free to share anything you want, but, but, if, if you were talking to a young person who's growing up in this environment and has come to, come to grips with the fact that they experience same-sex attraction, what, what kind of things would you say to that young person as they decide sort of what path they're going to take and, and what they're going to believe and, and what sort of an identity they're going to embrace going forward? Well, I would encourage them, especially if they're a Christian, to, to uh, try to move away from that identity to try to seek help, seek out help from a, a Christian counselor and, and to, uh, if they have any inclination at all, uh, toward heterosexuality to imagine perhaps they could have a life that's different than, than leading a, a GLBT lifestyle. Uh, if they can't, then, then, you know, think in terms of, you know how they can they can serve God, focus on serving God and and in serving others because uh, you know it can be seem to be a glamorous lifestyle in your youth, but in the long run, it's going to be a lot more pain and heartache uh, than enjoyment. And and uh, you know it's much better. You you can't go wrong following Jesus. Yeah. So that's what I would what I would tell them. Thanks so much for listening to the Crosstalk Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have an idea for a future episode, send me an email, Wes at radicallychristian.com. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.